You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. All right. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to this edition of the Modern Web Podcast. Uh, my name is Rob Sell. I'm a developer at This.Labs. Uh, we're a software consulting firm that specializes in front-end JavaScript development. Um, today, uh, we have the, on the docket to discuss GraphQL, um, which you have probably heard about recently. Uh, joining me to talk about GraphQL is uh, my co-host, Tracy Lee, who's a founder at This.Dot. Um, you can find her on Twitter at, at LadyLeet. Uh, hey, Tracy. We also have uh, Uri Goldstein, who's the founder of The Guild, which is a group of open source developers. You can find him uh, on Twitter at uh, Uri Goldstein. So hi, Uri. Hi. And we also Thanks have uh, with us uh, Tanmai Gopal, who's the founder of Hasura. And you can find him on Twitter at uh, Tanmai Go, G-O. How's it going? Hi. Good, good. Good. All right, so the first topic that we want to talk about with GraphQL, I mean, I feel like there are probably very few people who haven't heard of GraphQL um, at all. Um, it had a really big year in 2018, and I feel like when I was on Twitter, everybody's like top five things people should be learning in 2019, GraphQL was always on the list, right? So I, I went around and I saw on the NPM JS, uh, like 2018 state of development, they said that GraphQL was in hyper growth. And they were like, this is something you need to know, right? On the JavaScript survey, uh, it was like something on the order of like 20% used it and would use it again, and 60% hadn't used it, but they wanted to learn about it, right? So GraphQL, very, very hot right now. So I just thought, you know, to start out, kind of what is your idea of the state of GraphQL, the state of the GraphQL union, as it were? Like, wh what happened in 2018? What What's going on in 2019? Like, why is this so big and so hot right now? Or you want to start us, start us out? Um, sure, I'll try. Um, so I think um, uh, there's every every time someone asks about that, I think the best resource to look at is there's the Lee Byron Master Plan, which is uh, in every I think graphical conference when he gives like a keynote, he shows that, and he had this like master plan of. Um, how GraphQL can become from like this really cool technology to like an ubiquitous thing that you know everyone knows what it's about and it can run everywhere. And I think um, I don't. Last time I heard him talk about it, like, and I think even the first time I heard him talk about it, like, the rate of which GraphQL becomes, you know, like is growing and is being adopted by more and more companies. Is is crazy. It's like growing really fast. It's uh, growing really fast in companies where you wouldn't expect new technologies to grow really really fast, uh, which is for me I think the most exciting thing. Um, so since you know F Facebook has open sourced it um, and did tremendous job in, in 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 the spec itself and the toolings around it, then Apollo came, uh, and Apollo I think took took the um, you know both the toolings and the promotion of graphql to really the next level like they did so much work uh in talking about it explaining it rethinking some concepts building libraries and tools around it uh it's tremendous and i think um 
now in, in 2018, what happened is that, you know, large, very large companies and large code bases and all kinds of various companies started actually adopting it and using it in production. Um, and again, I think it happened in a rate that most people didn't expect it to be like so, you know, widely used. And I think now um, it's in a point where I think, um, you know, we get to see more and more advanced use, use cases of GraphQL and we get to see, um, you know, more advanced toolings being needed and being provided and the conversations around GraphQL becomes, from one hand, like very interesting about, um, you know, very advanced use case. But on the other hand, there's all those new people coming in, uh, which I think we're also kind of like, you know, we just moved, every everyone moved so fast that I think there's a lot of cracks that we can fill in. So, I know. Great, and, and Tanmay, I mean, just to kind of riff off that, I mean, yeah. your position, or a sort of position right at the middle, like, Go ahead. Right. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I think. I think uh, Uri is bang on, and um, with 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 the way he described it, and I and I am my my view is a little narrower um, in in the use cases that are happening with GraphQL, and I'm relatively newer to the GraphQL ecosystem as compared to Uri. Uh, but uh, but but my sense is that um, a lot of people are just starting to figure GraphQL out for the first time. And so you're kind of seeing this bimodal distribution of people who are very experienced with GraphQL and doing all kinds of crazy things. And then you have this other set of people who are just like, what is happening? What is GraphQL? How do I do ABCD? Uh, oh yes, graph databases. I've heard of graph databases. They're really popular. And then you tell them, no, 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 no. It's not. It's got nothing to do with graph databases. Um, you know, it's 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 a it's a spec for an API. Um, and so, so there's there's obviously that that's happening, um, and 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 that is just natural, right? It's not it's not good or bad. It's just it's just natural for any any kind of technology that's being adopted super fast. Um, I think the most interesting thing for me, um, and especially building on what Uri said about you know how you're seeing GraphQL adoption in companies that you would not expect to use something as new as GraphQL. I I really I I think that being a part of this GraphQL wave is 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 an amazing experience because I'm I'm firsthand seeing how um, so how how technology that changes process is so powerful um, and that's a slightly vague thing to say but like to make that a little more specific it's um, what GraphQL solves as a specification right if you look at GraphQL the spec it's it's simple it's not it's not groundbreaking it's not it's not like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing thing that we've done in the last 40, 50 years. It's not that, right? It's not, it's not, it's not complex. It's not super cool. Um, but it's beautiful because what it's doing is it's solving this fundamental problem, which was this power and responsibility distribution between a front end and a back end team. And over the last decade, and especially over the last five years, you've seen so much of that power shift from back end to the front end. And you're seeing that you know you're you're looking at the backend ecosystem getting sassified, moving to the cloud. Um, you know most of the APIs that you're looking at, you know building, you, you're you're not building things in house anymore, right? Um, a lot of that backend work is getting shifted into products and services uh, and stuff like that. And and you have more and more people uh, working on the front end, and the front ends are becoming more and more powerful. And and the front end of the application is where the business is. Right, and and the rest of the industry is telling you the same thing, right? You're seeing the same thing with Angular and React and Vue, 
and the crazy amount of innovation, the speed that's happening in the front-end frameworks is, is telling you the same thing. Um, and GraphQL is a technology that solves the problem of, of, of the back-end team being in control of APIs um, and the front-end team having to wait for the back-end team to build things, to iterate on things, to modify their APIs. That process that was slow, that process of documenting, using, and integrating APIs is in a way fundamentally solved by the GraphQL spec in a way that in a way that nothing has by, by, by the combination of a few simple things. Um, and I think that's the reason behind this huge GraphQL momentum. And that's the reason behind this adoption in production that we are seeing, right? Not just hipster adoption that is common, you know, like people with long hair, uh, not not just those, not just those kinds of people, but, but also uh, but also all the other people. Uh, and, and and that's amazing. And that's what I'm super excited about. Um, and especially seeing, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about seeing traditional companies moving to GraphQL, right? Not the Facebooks and the Twitters, right? They're, they're always on the cutting edge, mm -hmm. uh, but everybody else is moving to GraphQL and that's going to be super exciting. So I guess like that's, that's kind of, I mean, it wasn't necessarily where we we're going to go next, but I'm really interested in to poke into that concept a little bit more, which is, you know, there are going to be people that don't, that didn't see this coming, or at least have been a little bit unaware of it. And now they see GraphQL mentioned everywhere, and they're like, "Oh, great, another fad, right? Another buzzword, another thing that we have to migrate to, and we'll migrate away from it in a year." I guess, like, um, and maybe here you can start. Like, wh why is this not a fad? Like, why is this something that's here to stay? Is it? Is there anything else about it that is resonating on the projects that you've seen or the teams that you've spoken to that that shows that this kind of is popular? Um, you know, be on its merits, not just because it's it's new. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's a, it's a great question because um, everyone, when they see a first like a technology, they're like, I don't know. In our community, we have this tendency of like, oh, it's you know another thing. Tomorrow is going to be the, the 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 next thing and everything. I think um, for me, uh, GraphQL represents a very um, smart abstraction when you look on data. Um, and I think um, something happened, uh, you know, in, in, you know, a few years ago where, you know, when I used to work on like, I don't know, .NET, full stack .NET applications. Um, and at some point we, we moved to the web and we got, um, you know, some, some, something happened between the connection between the client and the, and the data source or the client and the server. Uh, we lost the types, and I, I think that um, when people ask me, you know, a, a lot of people are asking me, okay, so graph after I explain GraphQL to people and everything, they're like, okay, so um, what is bad about GraphQL? You know, what is you always, you know, when you ask uh, someone that advocates for a technology, you always ask, okay, so what is not good with it? And I think. Usually my answer is the other way around. I don't think GraphQL is so amazing. I do think it's amazing, but I think it, it's being so success, successful right now because how we do REST API today is so weird. Like how come you know we just call some random endpoint, that endpoint can send us some data, the, the, the whole way that we are used to do client-server client communication today is broken. When, when when a client calls the server, the server have no has no idea what the client actually needs, and the client has no idea what they're gonna get. This is the weirdest type of communication you can think about, and somehow we made it a standard. 
So by by putting some kind of standard and some kind of types along that, you know, on top of that, we get so many benefits that I don't know programmer like my, programmers like myself uh, that came from you know um, before you know I don't know that did a lot of development you know before uh, um, this age this JavaScript REST age uh, we we were used to those things um, and I think um, that's why um, I, I I think it's so powerful it's not it's not the, uh, GraphQL just embodies in my opinion, so many good architectural concepts that we lost along the way. Um, and I think what's really special about GraphQL, and this is something that has to be said for the people who created GraphQL, the abstraction is so clean and so nice. Um, today, I, you know, we build open source tools to generate um, other types of um, you know other types of uh, protocols from GraphQL, as GraphQL is the base for it. And just now, I understand how powerful really GraphQL is. It's just such a clean and nice abstraction, um, but it's so powerful because it embodies so many capabilities that we used to get from many many toolings that been there before. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's really interesting, though, that you talk about types, because another one of the technologies that really popped off in 2018, especially at the end of 2018 and now, is TypeScript on the front end. So this seems like this is a really <laughs> hot topic across all of web development. Um, yeah, and, so and I think, and I think, you know, with TypeScript, you get you get all kinds of benefits. Uh, you know, obvious benefits that everyone is talking about on their own code bases. But with GraphQL, you get type safety from a team you never met. Or you know, over a backend team in another department of your of your um, of your company. So it's so much more powerful. Those are much more valuable typings than typings inside your own code. Uh, and not to mention other stuff, which is GraphQL. You know, validates those typings at runtime, which is extremely powerful. Use those. You can. You have the the ability to not only validate but do many transformations and things like that with 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 GraphQL at runtime. Which is, I think, part of the biggest strength of uh, GraphQL. Awesome. So, I, you know, I wanted to bounce back to the front half of the bimodal distribution. I guess um, the set of people that have heard and keep hearing about GraphQL, they just haven't looked at it yet, right? Their team doesn't use it. Um, they're like, I'll get to it when I get to it. And I think what they encounter is like, I found a really cool um, GitHub repository. I think it's awesome GraphQL. And it's just a it's just a gigantic list of libraries and things like that. And it's really cool. But I mean, it could be really easy for someone to get uh, a bit overwhelmed with trying to understand like what is GraphQL versus what is Apollo versus what is Relay. Uh, even some of the libraries like the GraphQL modules or the inspector. And I think uh, just to take this even one step further, what's interesting is that this seems to be, like you said, changing processes. We have front-end technologies for GraphQL, back-end technologies, and now even like DevOps stuff, like GitHub integrations and, and things like that. So I guess, um, you know, how does somebody that's just breaking into this space make sense of the all the libraries that are popping up and where to focus first? Yep. Tom, I think, anything about uh, that? Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's that's super interesting. I um, I think um, so. So I mean, the the specific answer to that in terms of like what resources to look at um, and and kind of how to go about your GraphQL journey. I think the best way to get started is um, 
so I find the I find that the introduction on GraphQL um, on GraphQLJS.org, the first GraphQL kind of resource that came out, the official the official web page. Um, I remember reading it a few years ago, and I looked at it and I said, "What and why?" I mean, I what? It's a let me let me let me just give me a second to uh, you know maybe like read out the line that that it has, and it's it's funny and it's. It, it uses the word type system and it uses the word uh yeah it's a right there you go um i mean and 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 it's a and it, it puts you off right um and so and i remember the first time that i got graphql was um when i just used a graphql api and and after using the graphql api i kind of hit like right click on inspect element and i went to the network tab and i just looked at the request that was happening underneath um, and with that starting point, that suddenly gives me a framework to start understanding everything else. Um, and I remember that that journey fairly vividly. Um, and so what I recommend to people who are starting off is don't worry about setting things up. Just go find a GraphQL API somewhere um, and just start using it and just start understanding how it works and why it works and what kind of things you can do with it. And then once you have that, depending on what you want to do, like are you the backend person? Are you the front end person? Are you the person kind of in the middle that's kind of setting up this gateway kind of thing? Um, are you the architect trying to convince your team? Depending on, depending on that, you kind of now need to start looking at different resources. Uh, and, and there's good enough material on every on every front, right? There's like there's there's tons of courses, there's tons of videos uh, that help you get started with what you want to do. But but the first thing is to just kind of use the GraphQL API and just kind of figure out how the GraphQL API actually works underneath. And then that's suddenly everything starts making sense. Um, yeah, that that was kind of my journey, but uh... yeah, I I, I think um, of may, maybe for me it was a bit different, but I, I agree. I think first of all, the first graphical experience is amazing. Um, like graphical is so self-explanatory, it's so powerful. Um, once you give the first the first lecture I gave on GraphQL, you just open graphical, and then everyone is like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, and I think recently, um, OneGraph uh, open sourced their own version of Graphical. I forgot what's the name. It's um, OneGraphical. OneGraphical. Um, yeah. And and it's it's really cool. I think even it's even cooler. It's even simpler. Like for a beginner, you just get a list of all the things you can query, and you just check check mark it, and that's really really cool. And I think recently uh, there's a guy called Carlos that. Um, Made a version of the SpaceX graphic graph uh, SpaceX uh, REST API in GraphQL, and he added this thing, and it's I think a great uh, place to start from, just from exploring and clicking things, and that's really really cool. So I think that's one that's a great start um, for me personally. Uh, what I really liked about GraphQL is the concepts behind it, and the first time I heard about it. Uh, with all the concepts was from a talk from Lee Byron. Um, he, there's a talk that I would really, one of the, you know, there's the obvious talk where he explains GraphQL, like presents GraphQL and explains it. He has another talk, which I don't know if a lot of people are knowing. He has a, I always just Google Lee Byron render 2016. And this talk is about a lot of different concepts, but I think um, and it's a very general architectural talk, 
but I think it's a talk that puts every, for me, it placed everything in place. Where GraphQL fits in the system, how data flows across all the stack. Um, and yeah, so I, I couldn't recommend the talk enough. Um, it's funny that you say that. Honestly, I think I know the talk that you're talking about, and it's one of it's the one I share with everybody. It's my all-time favorite too. So maybe we'll see if we can link it uh, okay, somehow, yeah. like in the show notes or something. And to go back to the one graph thing, I had that in my notes as well. You know, they just released a blog post. I think it was a week ago that talked about how they onboard new developers or uh, new users that are new to GraphQL, and it goes through the the uh, the one graph. Uh, I think it's Graph IQL Explorer or something like that. Their visual approach to using GraphQL. Um, would definitely recommend that blog post for people that are just that want to see how they onboard people, which is probably useful if you're trying to get up to speed as well. Um, you know, I guess what's interesting is when I heard about GraphQL, and I feel like the way that GraphQL is always presented, because GraphQL itself is the spec, it's always taught in terms of um, the query, like how you construct a query and how you actually get data from um, the back end. Like, do you guys feel that that's still the most effective way to draw people in? Or do you think that there are other th other like salient um, sales pitches or places that people should be introduced to GraphQL, the concept? Because I know like for back end people, it might be really potent just to understand, uh, you know, how relatively easy it is, like how little you have to do necessarily to kind of implement some of these GraphQL um, you know, interfaces and things like that, that might be even more interesting than the queries. I don't know, what are you guys' thoughts? Are queries still the best way to onboard and to intrigue people about GraphQL? I, yeah, I think I think it depends like uh, who you're aiming to. And I think like what we said at the beginning, um, there's so many people who, who needs to touch GraphQL and are, you know, they're in the process of getting familiar with it. Like one thing that I wanted to say before that I didn't say, um, I think there's, um, you know, one of the things, you know, you can open graphical on like an existing thing. I think, you know, what used to be a really cool thing to start learning to program was to use Firebase or, you know, something like that, something like a magical backend, everything. The problem there was, you know, I think it encouraged you to for bad practices. And you would probably also get stuck with one provider doing what, you know, something very spe specific. I think the current wave of um, really cool technolo technologies uh, that gives you developer productivity, you know, for for apps like, you know, Hazura, <laughs> Hazura is like the best example, I guess. Um, it, it, it's um, I think it's so much more powerful that, than what we used to have with Firebase. Firebase was amazing. Um, I think you know tools like Azura or like everything that is GraphQL based backend as a service. And I don't know. Probably I'm now. I'm I'm gonna stop talking about Azura now, <laughs> but, but but because probably I'm gonna say a lot of uh, uh, wrong things. But I think this is so much more powerful because you get a very powerful, very simple, very elegant experience to start with, but you're probably going to reuse those things when you're going to scale your app. And I think this is like, you know, really, really amazing. And I forgot what was your question, but I just had to, it just, uh, I think, I, I think on the, on the query side, I, 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 th I still think it's the most powerful way to, um, get teams hooked to GraphQL. I still think, um, and and this goes back to my point about the power shifting to the front end developers, um, because I think because I think once the owners of teams, so I'm not talking about I'm not talking about teams where there's I'm not talking about good teams. 
right? There's good teams. Good teams will always move towards good technology. That will always happen. Uh, you don't have to do anything. You should ideally not touch them. They will do it themselves. Um, but I'm talking about teams where you need to now say, hey, you know, use you need to pitch GraphQL. Um, and there, I would always the way the way you would look at it is, you know, there's a team. The team has a product owner that's responsible for building things fast. That's responsible for, responsible for like getting productive. To that team and to that owner and the stakeholders, I would show the front end developers experience getting better because that's the biggest force that's the biggest force for improving the api experience because there are fundamental things that just sucked about um, about using rest apis for powerful front end apps making multiple api calls being inflexible with api calls the documentation experience not having types it was a nightmare like it's a nightmare um, like Uri said right it's just, just it's amazing how far we got with rest um right uh, and 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 that's amazing so so that conversation is still the best way to introduce graphql um and i think and i think it's kind of one of those things where you can't please everybody uh, and i still meet the kinds of backend developers who haven't bought into graphql yet so they are very similar to the rest developers who were trying to convince the soap people because the soap people were like dude soap is the best thing and the rest people were like no what are you saying like soap is unreadable and then the soap people said no but soap is 10 times more powerful uh, than rest right and and you're seeing the same thing with rest versus graphql people today um, but that's going to change and that's just a matter of time um, and and i think it's okay to not have to convince them so much because they will kind of gradually buy in it's just a they will see it they'll be forced to see it they'll look at it and they'll be like you know what this is actually nice I was I was hating on it unnecessarily. This is actually pretty cool. Uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I, I so I'll just add for that. I now remember the question, so I'll just I'll, I'll add my perspective. I, I agree. I think that um, you know the shift will come from the front end developers and the product managers. They would be the ones to push the technology, whether the you know back end people want it or not. For me, in my day to day job, I need to talk and I need to convince and I need to work. With a lot of backend, mostly backend developers, and I, there's a point uh, in time where backend developers get GraphQL, and then it's like it's like okay, I get it now, and it's amazing. And I think then, um, in my opinion, it gives more benefits for the backend developers. Like the, GraphQL is amazing for backend developers for structuring backend applications for managing, you know, orchestrating and managing multiple data sources, microservices, the power that you get is so much, and the possible toolings are so much more powerful. You can get caching on the field level. You can, you suddenly, again, everything you under, you get when you start to understand types, you can get error resilience, you know, you could send a query, maybe one field will fail, you still can get can receive a partial response. Um, it's and I think um, and the most important thing is the backend developers. Like the best selling point is like you don't care what the, what what the front end developer needs anymore. You know, you just you expose your. I mean, you but it saves you so much work. Like I see in so many companies, the main. The main uh, thing that they work on, the backend developer, like we, we say backend developers, like it's one big giant uh, job. Like a lot of the backend code that is being written today is just custom controllers 
uh, to try to uh, correlate to whatever the front-end developer needs at that particular moment. All this work is done. You don't need to do that anymore. Um, stop doing that. Do all the things that you like to do. And the nice thing is also this is the work that the backend developers hate to do the most. So, so I think if I could give, I don't know how, but if I could give a magical experience for the backend developers to explain GraphQL, I think, uh, I don't know, if someone has an idea, I would love to help. And I think this is why GraphQL grows so fast. Um, well, maybe no, maybe maybe not. Like I think I think it grows so fast because what you said. I think because of the product developers that that pushing it and everything. But I think it makes so much sense for backend developers, like real true smart backend developers. Yeah, I think I think one of the experiences that I found that clicks with backend developers a little bit. Um, I mean, so, so this is apart from the technical awesomeness, right? So you 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 pitch the backend developer about the technical awesomeness of GraphQL, and they're like, "Cool, I buy it." Um, but from kind of like a more a business boring value prop kind of thing that 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 clicks is um, when when I talk to developers and when I talk to some teams and I say um, backend people, how would you like to not maintain documentation? Um, like, what if what if we what if we said don't write a Swagger spec? And you know, don't write these Google Sheets and share documentations, or don't create API collections and share them. What if we said none of that? Would you would you like to be a part of this world? Um, and and I think and I think then kind of forcing them to empathize with the good aspects of GraphQL, which kind of lead from this process productivity. That I've seen some success with that, but but not too much. Like I still think like the time when they suddenly get GraphQL is amazing. Um, and I'm not sure what that experience is or how to force that to happen, but I feel that in some contexts I can I can kind of lead the conversation if I talk about the process benefit of saying no documentation. Imagine that. Uh, imagine nobody calling you in the middle of the night saying that this API is returning the wrong type of data, right? Like uh, so. So so I, I've seen that work a little bit, but I'm yeah. Yeah, I, I think a counter argument for that is like you know most people that they write Java applications with Spring Boot or something they will tell you well I'm generating everything anyway um, from my Java classes and you know I get Swagger definitions and everything is there, um, but that's kind of true because um, once you again like if you write the perfect restful endpoint that's fine but then once you start uh, customizing and everyone starts customizing that's when the problem happens and. Again, when you start customizing is the when you start writing code that backend developers just don't like to write for obvious reasons. Because, because it feels weird. I feel like in, in our back of our mind, we knew its rest was weird. We knew the <laughs> fact that we write this manual code to, to, to adjust for this mobile app or just whatever is querying my thing right now. We, we knew it was wrong, but we just we couldn't. That was it, you know, rest. That's what we had. That's the standard, and now finally we have something that is like okay, we can do it smarter. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's imagine that we have just convinced everybody, right? So now everybody <laughs> is an acolyte of GraphQL, and suddenly we have a lot of APIs to update. So for a team that has a database and they have their collection of APIs, maybe the REST or what have you, you know what? What what conversations do they need to have, or what do those first steps look like? Like REST and GraphQL, 
you know, will there still be a place for some REST APIs? Do they have to go offline for six months, update everything, and then bring it all back online? Like, what does migration look like? You know, kind of help people kind of understand what they're about to get themselves into. Um, we go for this. This is yeah, this is your yeah, line. I, I think I just yeah, <laughs> last week I, I we released a library in, in that sense. But I think before that, um, first of all, I think um, what I really admire about GraphQL is that it's a very practical technology. Um, it's uh, it doesn't tell you migrate everything. Uh, you can start with one sing single endpoint, one painful endpoint. Like every time I go to a company, I ask, okay, let's do a POC, let's do an experiment. Give me like your most horrible um, um, endpoint or the most painful one, the one that takes the longest and feels like the slowest, or the ones that you need to write the most amount of code to get something into the client. Um, and start with that. Just write one single endpoint uh, with GraphQL. All the rest, keep doing with REST. Uh, keep your authentication or whatever you used to do, do that. And just with this one single endpoint, start migrating. Uh, and then, you know, once they do that very quickly, uh, they, they end up like putting it in more and more places. So I think, first of all, um, yeah, like the best thing about GraphQL is that like, it works on top of everything. So you, when you end up building that endpoint, you can just query the other REST endpoint you queried before. You just now get, you know, you do it a bit smarter and you get all the benefits of GraphQL that I'm going to specify now. Um, and that's great. What I'm saying that, like, what I wanted, uh, the thing that we released last week is that what happens um, if you now, let's say, you know, your backend developers are, you're a backend developer and you're completely convinced in GraphQL and you moved everything to GraphQL. But not all your clients are actually, um, you know, want to use GraphQL. Maybe it's one app. Uh, maybe you have third-party uh, applications, third-party partners that you want to work with and you still want to expose REST APIs. Then I think, again, because GraphQL, and that made me learn a lot about GraphQL, because GraphQL is such a powerful abstraction, you can generate from GraphQL. It's like GraphQL is kind of like a superset of the tools that you would get from REST. So um, now you can actually take your GraphQL server and generate completely uh, fully typed, uh, fully documented REST API, REST endpoints. Um, sorry for the self self promotion, but it, um, it's just a it's an open source library for free. So it's you know I'm not making money out of it, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's called SoFi API uh, because SoFi is the easiest way to REST. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you just you take whatever GraphQL endpoint you have. It can be your own GraphQL endpoint or even like a remote GraphQL endpoint. And it just generates complete RESTful end, uh, API for you. So even if you still want to support for whatever use case you want REST endpoints, you can still do that without... Um, you know, writing all the things that you need to do in order to create the REST endpoints. Um, so that was for me a very powerful realization of really how powerful GraphQL is. I can really create any REST uh, demand with simply GraphQL. Great, Tanmay. Did you have anything else to add to that about um, kind of? Uh, I, I think yeah. I, I think I think. Um, Without getting into too many details, I think the it's important for 
it's important for people to realize and maybe there's some maybe more conversation needs to happen around this especially when people are evaluating graphql that doing graphql and rest together at the same time is not hard it's actually very easy to do incremental migrations right um and i and and you know like we said you have part of your backend is suddenly a graphql api your client can do a little bit of graphql can do a little bit of rest and you know it's fine so 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 that that kind of makes sense but um, and, and and i think that's important for people to know so that they don't think about it as oh my goodness we have to move to graphql it's going to take uh, you know months and years but but you know what the adoption that you're seeing today is kind of happening because because people have been doing that incremental migration really quickly most of the large companies when they tell you we've moved to graphql they're not 100% graphql it's it's impossible to be 100% graphql if you go to facebook and you log in on facebook and you right click and you see how they're doing the facebook login um it's a form it's it's application x like www form encoded it's 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 not even rest json right it's a form encoded api that's making the login happen right so um so it's fine like it's 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 a, the, the migration process is nothing stressful and that's i think important for people to know as well cool so that's uh, so that half of the bimodal distribution they're off migrating right now so we have another <laughs> half here that already has their graphql system kind of running and you know you were saying that, that the people that have kind of been here now they've been innovating and they're discovering as they're putting this into production that there are some really interesting things they can do in GraphQL that they might not realize that they could do right away. So um, this is something that I am not gonna have anything to say about. <laughs> but um, but I'm looking to you guys to kind of wow us. Like what are some of the sort of maybe things that aren't obvious um, to people, but things that people have found that you can do that are really exciting with GraphQL that you might see more of this year? Um, um, Uri, would you like to go first? Uh, sure. Um, even though I think you have probably a lot of really cool stuff to say about uh, the intersections between GraphQL and SQL, but I, I would, so I won't talk about that, but I think um, for me, well, one big subject uh, that I think um, Apollo is helping a lot to push and also Facebook is the, the GraphQL on the client side. And I think uh, this is a very, very important um, subject and I think for me, again, I, when I go to Lee Byron's talk and about the architectural thing in render 2016, um, it, it makes sense on a suddenly GraphQL makes sense on a bigger scale. Um, I always say that like Facebook uh, open source their stuff in the wrong uh, uh, order. So they open sourced React and then they open source the fly and I'm not just I'll say that. I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about Facebook and what they did. Like I, I, I'm very, I've, with all the respect for myself, but but I, I just say that um, just for illustration, uh, they open source React, they open source Flux, and then they open source GraphQL. Where I think um, just by chance, if it was the other way around, I think uh, we would skip a big. Um, a big, uh, let's say, uh, in my opinion, and I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anti-pattern, but a very common way where people today use um, state management and local cache on their client. Um, when Facebook open sourced the Flux architecture, um, the way that they did Flux on Facebook, uh, that that state was was typed and was normalized. So you could actually uh, get a lot of the benefits from GraphQL only on the front end. Each component 
could just query the data that the component needs from that local store. And that local store will go and fetch the data from the backend. Now, when we, when we talk about scalable component architecture, without that, how can you really create a scalable a component architecture? Uh, like, if, like, if you have you know, 20,000 or 60,000 components, and they all end up querying one like, central store that it's just a blob of data and there's no order there, that's not scalable. Like someone needs to, I, I wonder if someone ever asked, like, why doesn't Facebook uses Redux? And, and, and I think the reason is there was something in, 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 in between the, the part when they open source Flux and when they open source GraphQL and Relay. Um, and that is something that I think the React community is now picking up. There's more and more people who understand the concept of normalized cache on the client and the power of GraphQL as a query language on the client which is extremely powerful. I think other communities, like the Angular community, are a bit slower in understanding that. And I hope they would, they would pick up the, uh, this thing, because I think it's an extremely powerful thing. Like GraphQL on the client is just so much powerful, so powerful. And I hope that people would understand those concepts more. More than that, I, I just gave a talk and, about an amazing library from the Apollo ecosystem, the Apollo Link REST. Which even if you are, even if your server is not GraphQL, you can already use GraphQL just on your front end while querying your server with REST APIs, and just with that, you get so much, so many benefits. So I think this whole area of client side GraphQL is something that I really wish uh, more people would explore, and I think for definitely for large scale, large, large companies, large code bases. Uh, it makes so much more so much sense, um, and I think that's one of the, I think core parts of the architecture, and the component based component based architecture that people are sometimes uh, missing. Very cool, and and Tama, how about you? What 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 uh, um, some of the more interesting things think, that you've seen? Yeah, I think I think um, mm, uh, I on the. I think one of the things that GraphQL is going to change a lot um, with the way people think um, are going to be use cases around uh, real-time stuff. And I think GraphQL has made real-time primitives accessible to people at, at a scale that is unprecedented. And um, you know, before this, real-time was always like, what is real-time? How does it work? Can I just pull for stuff and you know maybe fake real-time? Uh, and it's always been hard for people to understand, but I think because GraphQL comes with subscriptions and I mean, the GraphQL subscription spec is is not the hard work. The hard work is being done by people who are kind of building the GraphQL clients and servers that support real time, uh, but that's happening. And as that's happening, that's kind of giving this, that's giving these real time primitives that are accessible to people in a way that wasn't before. And I am extremely excited about that. Uh, one of the small things that I'll zoom into quickly here that I think is super exciting is um, you know how everybody talks about event-driven backends and and um, and having asynchronous backends because that's how they really scale and like having monolithic systems doesn't scale and whatnot and everybody likes saying that but but uh, uh, very few people get to move towards that because the the amount of tooling that you need to set up on the backend and front end is very hard. Um, to take an, to, to take a scenario, right? Imagine that um, when something happens. On the back end, I execute a serverless function, or I run some API, 
it goes and does something and it modifies the backend uh, and that's great setting that up on the backend is great because we've been building complicated databases event systems cqrs that entire ecosystem has been evolving over the last 10 years and and that evolution is good but if whenever this asynchronous stuff happens in the backend it has always been a pain for front end applications to consume that information as it happens in the backend right this idea of something happens asynchronously and i get to update my ui as that happens on the backend has it's been hard 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 for people to understand and i think and i think with graphql subscriptions especially that's becoming easier and easier for people so we're going to see we're start we're going to see lots of activity and excitement in in real time use cases with graphql which which is still a relatively young ecosystem um, you know people have kind of done the other stuff in graphql but i think the real time use cases and 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 making yourself think about your entire application in an event first way that becomes possible with graphql this is something people talk about and they feel and and like hey this is very cool it's completely event driven it's reactive it's real time but it's hard to do um and now it's becoming accessible to 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 a very large number of people uh, and i'm very excited about that um that kind of use case with graphql yeah i, I agree i i'll just add that i think you know the one of the you know amazing thing or the very beautiful things in graphql is the client says what they want and then the servers try to fulfill it um, and I think that's very powerful and I think that's also gives us the opportunity to do to start talking about the difference between live queries and subscriptions um, and and I think like you said like I think it's extremely exciting um, and I think uh, we're just getting started there there's so much more work that we can do there and I think it's uh yeah uh, maybe 2019 will be the the year for that. <laughs> Great. I mean, I, I think that's interesting. I mean, that concept is really fascinating because I think event-driven conceptualization, especially on the front end, has been really big, right? RxJS, different libraries like that. People are really trying to think about how 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 these UIs are built from these combinations of events. And it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if this is the right way to conceptualize it, but as you were talking, it's almost like previously with those, I was constrained to the events that I generated on my on my local device, but through the benefits of what you're talking about these subscriptions, it's almost as though now we're kind of sharing this event scenario because my events could trigger updates on the server, which could trigger events, which propagate down to you, which, you know, we kind of participate in this shared uh, event-driven architecture. Um, mm -hmm. And that definitely does seem like a really interesting space uh, to see what people can come up with um, as far as use cases um, and things that suddenly make difficult problems very simple uh, mm -hmm. this year. So for people that have been kind of fascinated by this, uh, one of the things that we always do with, uh, with these um, podcasts is talk about ways that the community can get involved. Um, people that are listening to this, you know, both on the people that are using it at their companies and people that are just hearing about it now. Um, you know, where can people get plugged in? Where are the conversations? Like, is Gra I mean, it seems like to me that GraphQL is large enough now. It has its own meetups. It probably has its own conferences. Or, but where should people be looking to, to hear more interesting talks or to find interesting blog posts or to find the people that are involved in this space or to meet other people that are doing this at their companies? Do you guys have any insights into that or places that you point people? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe I'll start, uh, or maybe, maybe uh, you can start with what Hazura is doing, and then I'll just talk about. Uh, no, no, I think I think we go ahead. I'll I'll build off. Go ahead. Okay. You go ahead okay. First. So I think <laughs> so. So I think uh, I'll just. 
uh, um, that are you know building uh, stuff on top of GraphQL, um, and and I think they working hard about putting resources out there, and eventually you know they will end up making money from it, which is great. And I, I think um, this is very very. Um, you know, Apollo is putting out a lot of resources. Prisma is doing a lot of resources. Azura is putting out a lot of resources. Um, I think the the general community is also started putting more and more resources. But I feel like um, we do kind of lack a central place um, as a community. And I think this is something that is starting to change. Like I think uh, that is not you know being. Uh, under an umbrella of a, of a company. Not that I think it's bad, by the way. I think that um, the fact that companies has financial interest in pushing GraphQL, I think it's amazing. I think we are all here because you know many companies had a financial interest to, to push GraphQL to where it is today. Um, I think that um, for me, what, is, uh, what I try to do um, is what's missing for me and what, what um, I'm going to release it actually in like maybe tomorrow. Uh, is um, I we just uh, in our group we saw that it's very hard to find one place where you can see everything and touch with your hands and try it out. And so what we're going to release tomorrow is and uh, maybe I don't know when the podcast will be out. Maybe it's already out, but um, it's a full uh, WhatsApp clone um, that is built full stack. Uh, there's one version for React with React hooks and one version with Angular, um, and the backend is the same backend. It uses uh, GraphQL subscriptions, Postgres, um, Typo RM in one uh, version, and SQLize in another version. And the idea there is just step by step build like everything you want, everything you need, like, um, and you get the full, you know, full blown app. Um, and it's all completely open source, completely free, and we tend to keep it updated, um, and it's important. And I think one, hopefully, because it's not under a company or anything like that, other companies would go in and create their own version of that WhatsApp clone. So now you can take the same WhatsApp clone and do it in Hazura, and then you would, we everything is Git-based, so you can see a Git diff between what if you would do everything yourself between how you would do it, for example, with Azura? And then you'll be like, oh, it's like 10,000 lines of code less. So um, I feel like maybe that's, um, yeah, again, sorry for self-promoting it, but again, it's free and you don't need to do, <laughs> you don't need to pay money for it. And uh, yeah. we would love actually help from the community, but I hope maybe companies could, you know, show their stuff and we can really see difference between different stacks and different solutions and make yeah. it very I, obvious why you would choose it and why you would choose that. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I completely agree with uh, with Uri and I would go one step further to say that like the amount of content that is currently under the umbrella of companies is actually a bad thing. Um, and always as a, and as a founder of a company that is VC backed, it is, I can completely understand the pressure that that companies have to say, oh, we're with GraphQL, so we need to do everything with GraphQL, and we need to drive the way GraphQL is being adopted. That's harmful. That's very harmful for the ecosystem, and and that's and that's not good. You're going to create more like short-term bad things than good things in the long run. And so the WhatsApp clone, I'm looking forward to it. That would be great. Uh, it should be. It it'll be awesome. Um, um, I think. Um, I think. 
I think today, like people need to go to kind of learn GraphQL and do things. Um, I think I think because the the number of central resources are not like like there's not too many collections of central resources. But um, you pointed out to awesome GraphQL, Lee Byron Stock, all of these places are great places to start. Um, I would recommend the GraphQL Slack. Unfortunately, is not super super active. Um, but there's lots of resources online. Um, there's lots of good courses on Egghead that are starting to pop up um, that I think are just worth kind of going through. Um, so there's 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 all of these traditional forums that people can kind of look at. Um, the best way to get started is still to just build an app, like just build it yourself. And hopefully this WhatsApp clone that Uri's putting out will be on the lines. You'll see more things on the lines of that, which are just full stack, unbiased, completely open source. And then you can start, you know, plugging things out and saying, okay, you know, now I understand why this tool exists and how I can use it to get maximum benefit out of it, right? Um, and I think that kind of stuff will happen gradually, and that's great. Um, but yeah, otherwise, just awesome GraphQL, GitHub resources, uh, all of these places are good places to kind of start browsing and see see what you need to do. Yeah, and even just like um, to be uh, completely honest, I still think like the till today, like one of the best resources and most libraries that you're probably going to end up using is Apollo. So, the, and still the most you know the most com commented and the most um, popular uh, place people go to is the Apollo Slack. So, you know, for sure you need to be there. For sure you need to go to their website and to their blog post. I would even say, I mean. As someone who worked in Apollo and was in the early days, I think there's a lot of very inspiring, very smart blog posts on the early Apollo blog uh, that I would go to. Um, maybe, I don't know what's the current state of it, but maybe there's some links on graphql.com. I'm not sure it's if it's being uh, keep being updated again, I think when companies uh, take a charge of some stuff, but, um, but at least a while ago, there were a lot of uh, nice links always there, also there in graphql.com and Apollo stuff. Great. Well, thank you so much, gentlemen. Um, and thank you, everybody, for watching this episode of the Modern Web Podcast on GraphQL. I'd like to thank uh, my guests. So Uri Goldstein, you can find him on uh, Twitter, at uh, Uri Goldstein, which is at U-R-I-G-O-L-D-S-H-T-E-I-N. Um, and uh, Tan my Gopal, who's on Twitter at Tan my Go, which is T A N M A I G O. Um, as always, thank uh, my co-host Tracy Lee. You can find her online at at Lady Leet, L A D Y L E E T. And uh, my name's uh, Rob Osell. You can find me at Rob Osell. That's R O B O C E L L. Um, thank you, everybody, and have a great day. Thank you very much. This podcast is sponsored by NativeScript. Want to use your web skills to build iOS and Android apps? Try NativeScript. NativeScript is an open source framework for building native mobile apps using technologies you already know, like JavaScript, Angular, or Vue. Learn more at nativescript.org slash modern web. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs.